Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. If I, your Lord, washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Blessed are you if you what? Do these things. Do you find at Christmas time that, you know, uh, in the hubbub and all the things that start going on, you can become very self-focused. It can be about what gifts you want. You make your little list, right? Well, this year, I've only got 17 things that I want. And, <laughs> and you're, you're, you begin to text and email the list of various people. I just want you to be aware this year what I'm looking for. <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute. Whose birthday is it? <laughs> right? And so we can, be, we can get caught up in all this stuff. We can get caught up in everything that's going on. We, we met and we did a Bible study, and I, we were looking at the story of the three wise men that came from the east, these priestly kings, Parthian class, you know, hundreds of miles from the area of Iran, and they come searching for the king. They saw his star in the east, and they've come to what? Worship him. They're probably a huge entourage on horses, regally dressed. And when they got to the house, the star, which was supernatural, it had to be hovered over the house. I wonder almost if it had one of those pointy signs, you know, he's in there, he's in there. They came later, of course. Jesus was already in a house, not in the manger. So your manger scenes, I'm sorry, if you have a nativity scene that has the three wise men there, it's incorrect. They were not there the night he was born. So take your wise men and just put them a little farther off over here. Okay? They may have been traveling. Jesus was at least a couple months old when they got there. Some believe he could have been as much as two years old. But what's interesting about the wise men is that they, they come and they present gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is the gift for a king, speaks of deity. Frankincense was used in the temple by high priest. Jesus is our king. He's our high priest. And they gave myrrh, which was used in uh, basically dealing with the stench in death. And he's our, he's our king, our high priest who came to die. How did they know what to bring? And you know what? They got down and they worshiped him. And I asked the question, I'll ask it of you. This year, what would be one thing that you'd want to give to Jesus that you've been holding back? One thing. What's one thing that you might want to add to your Christmas season that would be different from years past? I'm talking about maybe it'd be something about your time. Maybe it'd be something about how you give. Maybe it'd be, you know, something about your own spiritual walk with the Lord. What one thing do you want to give in the next, what, we've got about 12 days? What will you do with the next 12 days? Uh, a friend uh, shared a story. He said uh, he was uh, at work and they had a party for a man that had been at his company for 35 years. They were celebrating this man. I think he started at the company in his early 20s, so he's in about his mid-50s at the time. And so there's, you know, had a party for him. It was like a Friday, celebrating 35 years at the company. Cake, sweets, ice cream, attaboys, great. He went home that weekend and died of a massive heart attack. And he said, Pastor Michael, 
we just don't know what's going to happen. We take so much of life for granted. Well, Mark is going to show us this beautiful Savior, this beautiful servant. Now you know why we're only going to do three verses. It's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See the word beginning? That word, of course, rings in our heads about Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We can think of John 1.1. He was in the beginning with God, speaking of Jesus. Um, 1 John 1.1 says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld, what our hands handled concerning the word of life. And the word was manifested, right? We've seen him. And that word beginning speaks of God and, and what he does, but beginning here to me speaks of something new. It's the beginning of the gospel. Everybody know what gospel means? Gospel means good news. It's the beginning of the good news. I've got good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. I had a friend email me and uh, young man that I had a chance to mentor. And he said, hey, do you know that when Linus reads that famous scripture from Luke, it's the only time he's not holding his security blanket? Isn't that cool? Who needs a security blanket when you're quoting Luke 2? The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for how many? All the people for today. In the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is the simple yet profound story of the Bible. God came to serve us. If he didn't care about you, he wouldn't have come to the planet. And of all the questions that I have as I navigate this life, the things that I see, the ugly things that we've even witnessed in our own immediate area in San Bernardino, I always go back to Jesus. When I'm, you know, struggling with uh, questions and doubts and, you know, what should I do and what's next and how do I navigate my life on this planet, I always try to go back to Jesus. Because Jesus is God. And he came into the world to save us. And Jesus is the fulfillment of four servant songs recorded in the book of Isaiah. They are literally called servant songs And this shadowy figure begins to emerge in the book of Isaiah, and he's called the servant of Yahweh. If you go to Isaiah 42, I'll show you one of them. Isaiah chapter 42. Um, Isaiah writes about 700 years before Jesus is born, which is remarkable. And he begins to show us this servant of Yahweh. Uh, He continues to appear at very dark times in the book of Isaiah, just when You'd want to throw up your hands and say, all hope is lost, then the servant appears. This is Isaiah 42, verse 1. It says, behold, my servant, Isaiah 42, 1. Remember, the servant theme is the dominant theme of the gospel of Mark. Whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. We're in Isaiah 42, verse 2. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth, 
and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. Do you see verse 3? A bruised reed he will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. These, these ideas have of a, a bruised reed represents the poor and needy, a person who's beat up, bruised by life. And a person who's a bruised reed, he won't break them. He won't come to you when you're broken in life and say, you know what, you just need to really get it together. He won't kick you while you're down. You know, that's what the world tends to do. The world can very much celebrate personal catastrophe. There's whole shows built on it. Hey, did you hear what happened over here? Go through the supermarket line. You know, they want to show people in the worst light in many cases. Hey, look, so-and-so put on 15 pounds, right? Whoa. (laughs) Make you feel a little better? (laughs) I only put on five. He put on 15. We were watching uh, comedian Brian Regan, my wife and I, went and saw him for an anniversary trip, and he's a very funny guy. I don't know where he stands with the Lord, but his comedy is pretty clean. And he said, he came out and he said, uh, well, from the first of the year, he said, uh, I've been on a diet, and I've been trying to lose weight. He says, really tough. He said, but I heard this trainer say that a good life philosophy is in the morning, eat like a king, in the, at lunchtime, eat like a prince, and in the evening, eat like a pauper. And that's a good approach. He goes, so I implemented it, and in the morning, I've been eating like a king, and in, at lunch, I've been eating like a prince, and at night, I've been eating like a hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gained 15 more pounds. Anyway. <laughs> he won't kick you when you're down. In fact, when you're down is when a lot of people turn to him and find him. Christmas time can be rough for a lot of people. Um, It's not always easy. You know, we may forget, but there are people who don't have family. There are people who have just lost somebody. It's the first holiday with something going on that's challenging. But Jesus will bring justice. The coastlands will wait expectantly upon him. Injustice is more than political dysfunction. Injustice is a denial of evil. It is a denial of God. Jesus came to bring God to the world. He showed us what a just world could look like. He showed us what it meant to love and serve others, though he was God. He showed us the servant, the power to bring lasting change from a strength and purpose that is divine. That's what he came to do. He came to show us all what we should be like, but we fall miserably short. He came to show us what it means to love and serve and really be in awe of life and grace. Oh, that we could just all reflect him a little bit better. Thus says the Lord, the God, uh, thus says God the Lord, verse 5, Isaiah 42, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread the earth and its offspring and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Uh, Keep reading. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. 
I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Simeon, when he held the baby, Jesus quoted something like this, a light to the nations. My eyes, he said as he held the baby, Jesus, have seen thy salvation. He came to open blind eyes, verse 7, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon. Is that you? Those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, my praise to graven images. Behold... The former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Here it is. Here's the beginning of the gospel. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it. You islands and those who dwell in them. Let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voices. The settlements where Kedar inhabits, let the inhabitants of Selah sing aloud. Let them shout for joy from the tops of the mountains. Go, tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. Man, good news of great joy has come, will we believe Will we trust in him? Turn back to Mark's gospel. This is the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He is the son of God. Jesus is his name. You shall call his name Jesus, Mark 1.1, for he shall save his people, what? From their sins. Jesus is Yeshua. The Hebrew form is Joshua. That was his name. The Greek form of his name is Jesus. Jesus is Yahweh saves. That's literally what his name means. Yahweh is salvation. He is the Christ. Christ is not his last name. Christ is Messiah. It literally means the anointed one. And he has come. He, is, he himself embodies the good news. He shares the message and he is the message. Look at Mark 1, verse 14. It says, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And he said, the time is fulfilled, Mark 1.15. The kingdom of God is at hand. There's something we must do. Repent and what? Believe in the gospel. He is both the message and the messenger. And he came and he began to proclaim the hope that the kingdom of God had entered time and space. This epic making event the good news of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. If you look at the Hebrew picture language, anoint is mashach. It literally means the water. It combines the words water and humility. Mashach. Mem is water and shock speaks of humility. He is the Mashiach. When you can see these two ideas combined when he's at the Samaritan well with the woman at the well. And he promises that if she will ask of him, he will give her what? Living water. He, it was an act of humility for him even to talk to her. She had had five husbands. The man that she was with now was not her husband. To have five husbands means that five men left her. 
Women could not divorce their husbands, only husbands could divorce their wives in that culture. She was a person used to being abandoned. Is that you? And he said, look, I've got to go through Samaria. Jews didn't even go through that place. But he said, I I have to go there. Why? Because he had an appointment to show her the water of humility, to show her the Messiah. And when there's an interaction later on in John 4, she says, I know when the Messiah is coming, he'll lead us and he'll show us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. And people who are critics of the Bible, Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus never claimed to be this. Wait a minute. He just said, I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. He is life. In him was life, and that life is the light of men. And the church for almost 2,000 years now has been instructed to go tell it on the mountain, to tell about Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one. Look at your Bible. He is, Mark 1.1, the Son of God the unique Son of God, God the Son. When Jesus came, it was not not a subtraction of deity, but an addition of humanity. Let me say that one more time. When Jesus came to the earth, he did not subtract his deity, he added humanity. That's the beauty of the incarnation. He is God the Son, the Son of God. They wanted to kill him in John 5.18 because they said, you being a mere man, make yourself equal with God. And Jesus said over and over again, if you don't have me, you don't have the Father. You can't have the Father without the Son. All authority has been given to the Son, John 5. All judgment has been given to the Son. When you stand before God at that last day when you die or the final resurrection, you will stand before Jesus Christ. All judgment has been given to that little baby in Bethlehem who grew to be that man All judgment belongs to him. It would be good to know him, don't you think? It would be good to say, Lord, I wasn't perfect. I didn't always do it right, but I realize that you died on that cross for my sin, and I'm going to trust in you and you alone. The testimony throughout the Gospel of Mark and the other Gospels, God the Father, Mark 1.10 says, this is my beloved son in whom, Mark 1.11, I am what? Well, please, you've got the testimony of heaven at his baptism. You've got the spirit coming upon him. He is the unique son of God. Peter, whose thoughts are behind this gospel, said he heard a majestic voice on the Mount of Transfiguration, 2 Peter 1.17. That majestic, glorious voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Peter says, we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain And so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That's what Mark is doing, probably writing on behalf of Peter And I'll close with this prophecy. We'll come back and revisit it in a future message. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, if you have a King James or New King James, it says, in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. He is the voice, verse three, Mark one. Crying, it means to shout, scream, or cry out in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. New Testament writers aren't the only ones who write about Jesus. Old Testament authors did. And these quotations come from 
uh, Malachi, or if you are Italian, the book of Malachi. I grew up with the Malachi twins. I'm just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> and Isaiah. Um, why, does, why does Isaiah get credit for what is largely, at least in the first part, a prophecy from Malachi? Because sometimes when prophecies were grouped, they would quote the most prominent writer. There's a little difference in the manuscript families as to whether it mentions Isaiah, but it doesn't matter because Isaiah's uh, quotation comes in verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Now I'm going to take you to two final passages. So says the preacher, and we're done. (laughs) Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament right before Matthew. Malachi, go to chapter... Look at verse 17. I just want to share a little bit of these prophecies. Malachi, um, probably about 500 years before Jesus, four or 500 years, says this. Look at uh, 2.17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, Malachi 2.17, how have we wearied him? In that you say everyone who does evil is good, in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them? Or, where is the God of justice? Sound like contemporary questions to you? 3.1 Malachi. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. This is speaking of John the Baptist. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Now, final section is Isaiah chapter 40. When he comes, who will endure his coming? That points to his second coming. There's going to be a second figure who appears on the landscape before the second coming of Jesus, and his name is Elijah. He will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And just as the first coming and the birth in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, were predicted, so the second coming of Jesus has predicted, has been predicted. And with that, a forerunner has been predicted a John the Baptist type figure. In fact, John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah and Elijah is coming before Jesus returns. And the question will be, how many hearts will be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? It's been almost 2,000 years, you guys. A lot of people talking about prophecy. A lot of people talking about the end times. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's his question. And Isaiah chapter 40 pictures this beauty of his entrance into the world. This is the prophecy of John the Baptist, and it prophesies that he is making the way ready for God. It starts this way, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem, Isaiah 40 verse 2. Call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received from the Lord's hand, or of the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. They went through a tough time. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord. I want you to notice Isaiah's prophecy says the one who's coming, Jesus, is God. He's the Lord. Clear the way in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. He is God. Let every valley be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. 
Let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Think of Christmas night and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken and a voice says, call out. And he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass. All its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands for how long? Forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. You know, hearing it is one thing, Oscar, embracing it and obeying the gospel, which really just means trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, is the key for every person. And I like what you said about believing it and embracing it, because if it is good news, it's going to make you want to burst and share with everyone that you know, hey, we have some good news. We are not left in this condition of, you know, separation from God. Amen. So now my next question is, I notice that there are four gospels in this New Testament that the New Testament begins with. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What is the need to have these four Gospels? You know, in Jewish thought, um, things were confirmed by a minimum of two to three witnesses. And so it, it is interesting to think about four witnesses of the Gospel. Someone used the analogy before that if you were standing at four different corners of an intersection and everybody there saw the same accident, for example, mm-hmm. Um, they were eyewitnesses to that accident. They could give a different perspective of that accident. And of course, they would give a little different angle or insight maybe. And then taking the composite picture, you could put together what happened at that scene. That's an analogy. It could break down in some respects. But but the point is this, Oscar, that you have four independent witnesses who give you the story, the gospel. Each one of them is, is the gospel according to Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the good news from the perspective of Matthew, the perspective of Mark. And we've talked about Matthew's gospel seems to be more Jewish oriented. Mm-hmm. So it seems to uh, quote the most from Old Testament sources like Isaiah and others, um, where you have Mark's gospel that may be more pointed towards the Gentile, Luke as well. Um, and then you have John, who focuses a lot on the deity of Christ. Luke focuses more on the humanity or the Son of Man idea. But each one of them have all the components as well. Each one of them can speak to a Jew, can speak to a Gentile. There's some unique things to the Gospel of Luke, the, par- the parable of the prodigal, only in Luke. If you look at the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, unique to Luke. The raising of Lazarus, unique to John. A good way to think about it is four witnesses telling you about the good news of Jesus. Amen to that. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.